Hello and welcome to this bonus episode 54. I'm Jen Rice, the host of the Functionally Fit podcast. And today our special bonus episode is actually a recording from the uh, masterclass all about mindset that I did inside Love Your Gut Club. And I wanted to be able to share this with just about anyone out there who wants to hear this type of content because mindset is absolutely critical to making the changes we want to see in our health to create this lasting change and to really bring our results to fruition versus trying something, have it not go so well, go back and try again, have it not go so well, or maybe it works for a while. And then that frustration of just ending up right where you started over and over and over again. And I hear this from so many women that feel like they've done it all. And what it really does take is a complete shift of uh, some priorities. And it doesn't mean that we're going to ignore our families or do less at, uh, caliber work at our, at our, our profession, but we do need to bring this into just as an important thing as um, everything else in our life. Our health allows us to perform at our highest level and serve others in a happier and better uh, way, right? So I hope you enjoy this episode. And if you like this type of content, Love Your Gut Club ha now has a premium subscription option where we meet quarterly to do more of a in-depth, deeper dive in uh, your unique situation. And I'm super excited to bring this out because I know... Um, Many women have asked me about this option, and initially we were just offering what was in the, the content and the membership. Uh, that is, it's great masterclasses every month, support via um, you know, the community platform, recipes. There's probably 114 and counting recipes inside the group, and um lots of really great book recommendations and things like that. So this is just an, an extra option for those that want to have more of a um, experience with me. So I'm excited to bring this out and I hope that you enjoyed this episode. And if you have any questions, just shoot me a direct message or uh, leave a comment and we'll be sure to get back to you. Okay. Take care. Hi there, welcome. I'm so excited for us to get started. I am going to share my screen here. Let's see. And then we will dive right in. If you are joining us live, I think this will let you just come right on in. Um, if for some reason it doesn't, I'm definitely recording this so we can, um, you know, we'll have it and everything will be here. So I'm going to jump right in because I feel like it's so important for us to start our first masterclass off with this topic, because without this, we really don't have the ability to not only achieve immediate results, but also lasting results. So when we're talking about um, having a powerful mindset shift, 
we want to set ourselves up for these lasting results. And this is um, this is really key to pretty much everything we do in life, right? So if you're starting a new business, if you're working on a relationship, maybe, perhaps you're doing some kind of other project where you, uh, I would think even people running a marathon, this would be a great example. If you're training for a marathon, I think the body knows it can do the marathon, but the mind doesn't know that the body knows it can do the marathon, right? So this also is very, very important when it comes to our health and making changes. I personally can speak to this all day long uh, as far as until you are ready to change certain things that, that are just go that speak that's going through your mind, uh, it's going to be really hard to make changes. It's not good enough. It's not good enough to put out a nutrition program, a coaching program for health and wellness, and just think that putting in food changes and putting in changes in and you know what you're eating and the supplements you're taking that's just not good enough it's not going to work for people it may get people some short-term success for example things like nutrisystem jenny craig even ww which formerly known as weight watchers i think that provides a nice option of community and support but if you haven't done the mindset shifts around it too, those will, as soon as you're away from those places, you're not going to have the tools you need to carry forward. And my goal with Love Your Gut Club is not that um, you stay in forever because you, you can't operate without it. My, my goal with it would be that you, you get all the tools you need, you become this you know, powerful, self-driven health machine and then you just want to tune in because we have amazing uh we have amazing content guest hosts all sorts of things that can help you move forward for your health journey so let's start with mindset none of these things are going to be revolutionary to you, you're probably not going to say, oh my goodness, I've never heard of anything like that before. But what I hope it'll be is, is something that can help you exponentially improve your outcomes because it has done so for me personally. It's done this for patients that I've seen in clinic in allopathic medicine, as well as uh, clients that I've seen for coaching and functional wellness. I've seen thousands and thousands of patients over 16 years in conventional medicine. And, and I just want to bring this up as a side note. A lot of things that trouble people that become chronic conditions are deeply rooted in some of the things that we're going to go over today. There is something to the fact that we, if we don't address things that are going on mindset wise, and then some of the other topics we'll go over today, you absolutely can hit a complete roadblock and you just can't move forward. That's why some people live, the, I was just talking the other day about 
there are these people I see that in an office, because I see a lot of older people. I'm in Naples, Florida, in the United States, and it's it's very much a retirement community. The average age of the patient I might see is late 70s, early 80s. They're very vibrant people, though. They play doubles tennis. They go golfing. They have a very busy social schedule and a very busy travel schedule with grandchildren and great-grandchildren and, and all those things. And some people are absolutely thriving and some people are 100% struggling. And then there's people all in between. And a lot of this, I believe, and I'm pretty sure that those that are thriving believe that it has to do with their mindset and how they feel about their aging process and their whole health. So today's discussion, we're gonna do, you know, choosing you as an act of generosity. This is not hard. I'll get more to that uh, when we get to that slide. You hold all the answers and power. Simple equals sustainable. You don't need all the information to get going and to make some serious changes. And your behavior is, is very interconnected to emotion. And I have a lot of experience with emotional eating personally using food as an emotional crutch, a relief, a happiness thing, um, drinking, all of that. Now we'll get to that on that slide. And then the end of self-sabotage and how Love Your Gut Club and this membership for you can be this place to make sure that all these things above uh, stay in place and really that you get moving forward in this amazing self-empowering journey to your health. The first mindset shift is choosing you. When you ask yourself, it's not selfish, selfish to choose yourself. In fact, it's, it's quite the opposite. Who benefits when you are overtired, overstressed, can't complete things because your brain is just like 50 different directions or you can't remember, or, oh, maybe I'll just take a nap, right? Feeling unhappy, feeling moody, you get invited to things and you're like, eh, I'm not sure I wanna go because then I have to talk to people. I totally get that because that's me on, half the month, potentially. I am a introverted extrovert. I was an only child. I, I'm very good at entertaining myself. I like being alone. I love being with people because I'm definitely a people pleaser. And if any of you guys can relate. The thing is, is when we choose everyone else over us, which is how I ended up in the career of healthcare in the first place is I like the way it makes me feel to help other people. I get emotional satisfaction and reward from helping other people. But what happens then is that when you're constantly choosing your family, your spouse or significant other, your, maybe your aging parents, nobody benefits from the watered down, tired out version of us. So when that's the case, we have to figure out, 
okay, I can't live in a bubble by myself forever. I have to engage in life and be present and be there. But maybe I need to figure out how to carve out the time in a week or every day, ideally, to work on my health, work on optimizing my mindset, my movement. What are small things I can do to make this happen. And part of that can be, I'm going to go on the love your gut club platform for 15 minutes at, you know, 6 PM every night. And then I'm just going to see what's happening in there. And I'm going to take, I'm going to go in there on Saturday and I'm going to take the recipes. I'm going to see if that's something that I can incorporate the week after. Cause that's kind of fun. Maybe it's even something I can make with my kids or Maybe I want to make it with my, my parents. I mean, that for me, like I would definitely make some of these recipes with my mother. She's 78 years old and she, she's trying to eat healthier. She has multiple medical problems and often she cooks for herself, not extravagantly, but she's open to trying new things. You can incorporate some of the things that we're putting out each week into your family, into your friends. Just get creative with it and try to have fun with it. Because if it if if Love Your Gut Club ends up being a chore or another thing to do on your list, it's going to be hard to take this kind of interactive coaching and really, really maximize it for you, which is my goal in doing it in the first place. When you're taking time to restore your health and vitality, it can't be considered anything other than really serving your family and your friends. So the first mind shift should be taking time out for you is actually an act of generosity, not only for yourself, but for everyone in your life. If you're taking notes, you could definitely write this down Taking time for me each day is an act of generosity, not only for me, but for everyone around me. Second mind shift. This is not hard. I'm going to preface this by saying I felt like when I started on my anti-inflammatory eating and lifestyle changes, it was super difficult, but I knew that if I didn't make changes, I was going to find myself in a place I didn't want to be. I basically would have denied myself the opportunity to have lived the fullest life as possible because I was too tired, too brain fog. I was out of shape. I was just, I was just like a, like there was a rock in my life because I couldn't get around it, couldn't get over it. So you have to view the process of change as a gift that you're giving yourself in the future rather than this arduous, horrible, gosh, I can't eat any you know, cookies anymore kind of journey, right? Because I do eat cookies. They're just different cookies now. They're, they're dairy-free and gluten-free and they're actually really tasty, especially when you get yourself off some of the sugars and things, the, the other products that they make out there, things like, you know, this, this kombucha, 
um, you want to look for lower sugar kombuchas, but they can be very tasty and very fulfilling. I used to love rewarding myself with cakes and cookies and alcohol, lots of alcohol, lots of alcohol drinks like margaritas and multiple margaritas and all the things. And, and really in the end, it wasn't that I was gonna deny myself good times anymore. Although I would say that I probably had enough Probably had enough alcohol for three lifetimes, potentially. I'm not an alcoholic, but my family does have alcohol tendencies and we do enjoy being the life of a party. And it, it was sort of a natural role that I fell into with alcohol as being just an accepted, um, happy-go-lucky thing to do. People liked me when I more when I was drinking. I had a lot of friends I drank with because codependency loves you know, company, right? And four years ago, when I limited alcohol, it was a huge mind, mindset shift. It was not hard to not drink. It was not hard to not have coffee. It was harder to think of myself five years from now with another 20 to 30 pounds on me feeling even worse than I did at 45, at 55, right? So I think you have to view this process of change as a gift we're giving ourselves, not only for tomorrow, but we're giving ourselves a gift for future. It could be next month, next year, next summer, and not look at it as deprivation. In fact, I hate the name elimination diet because it's, it, it, it comes from a place of lack where as all the foods on the elimination eating plan are, there are a lot of foods on there. It's not like you're eating kale and drinking water and hoping for the best. There are tons of foods on there. I think it's the things that we tell ourselves that make the difference between the success we'll ultimately have versus uh, just kind of trying this out only to say in 30 days, hey, Jen, I don't know. I just, timing's not good. I've got a lot of things going on in my life. You know, I, this, this and that and the other. There's always going to be something that will come up. There will always be something. Life throws us curveballs right and left. And I've had several, COVID was a huge curveball for all of us, right? And this was, I had pretty much nailed my health about a year and a half, I had done a lot of work, kind of the things that we are all talking about and we'll talk about and love your gut club and begin implementing things that fit for you. But I was feeling pretty darn good, lost the weight, lost the fatigue. But when COVID hit and I work in healthcare, it really threw me off the skids. It, um, I had come off my anxiety medication I've been off it, I think a year. I was a wreck. I just started like, I don't know, the stress of it, the, um, not because I was so afraid of getting it myself. I think it was just the unknown of it, working around it. And it, it affected not only my mental health, but affected my mindset, it affected my, my body even. I could tell I was letting certain habits creep back in. It's where I started to have a glass of wine here or there, 
not that that's bad, but it just was something I didn't need, but I was emotionally feeding off of these, this time and place that we were in and using the, well, we might all die anyway, um, excuse to pick up bad habits again, right? Not do the work, not focus. I'm telling you this because it's okay to fall off the wagon, to have a day where you're just like, oh, I can't. But when the day turns into two days, turns into four, turns into a week, turns into two weeks, turns into two months, that's how we are where we are with our health. Um, not so good. You hold all the answers. I love this because everything really is inside of us. The power for you to take your health wherever you want to take it. I realize there are some genetics that may creep up on you, but genetics are only one part of it. We're actually, anything you read and study about genetics, it does not determine what you're going to have. Just because both of your parents have high blood pressure and diabetes doesn't mean you're going to have it. We know that high blood pressure and diabetes are deeply rooted in diet and gut health and activity level and how we manage our stress and how well we're sleeping. This is where I wanted to introduce you to, I took this quiz earlier today, I had tried, so I went to her original website, Gretchen Rubin, and she has the four tendencies quiz. And, and it's where you can figure out your habit personality. And I didn't like that, you know, we had to give our email. I mean, I know that that's what people do. I have a quiz where I will probably be asking for people's email, but I don't like when they don't tell you up front. So I found this um, New York Times article where you could take the quiz on their page so if you do that link, I know it's kind of hard to copy right now, but um, if you can jot that down, the link, and I'll probably, I'll, put, I'll try to highlight this and put it in the members um, comments, because then maybe you can just click on it and go to it. But when you go there, you take the questions, I think there's 12 or 15, and then it gives you the answer right away. You're not like waiting for an email. You're not, I don't know, I just don't like that part of it, like an answer right away. So my answer was, I'm a questioner and I'm not surprised <laughs> because questioners are people that, um, there's a whole description of it. It's not really interesting unless you're a questioner too. So there you could be three other things potentially. So I won't go into what a questioner is, but we could always talk about it in the, in the platform. It'd be interesting to see what you guys are. The questioner is someone who seeks justification for every expectation. And, and I think the more we get to know ourselves, the, the, I, I kind of have to laugh at myself from time to time, especially as I get older. I know there's things we can change about ourselves. And obviously we want to continue on our personal growth and working on ourselves all the time. That will help your health journey for sure. But there are some things that are just innately, I think kind of funny that some of us do. And if we can address it with a little humor and perhaps try to change it a little bit, I think that's more beneficial than saying, oh, I'm a questioner and I question everything. Why do I do that? And, that's not really productive uh, for me or anybody around me. I'll post in the um, 
the membership then this link and then if you take the quiz we can see which one you are and, and talk a little bit about that i think that'll be fun Okay, so the next mindset shift is simple equals sustainable. And I really like to complicate things. So this is just as much for me as it is for anybody listening. It's imperative that we don't try to change everything at once. Because when, if you're in, if you're already feeling this in the, in the membership, I want to like, throw you a lifeline and just say, give yourself a break here. You're going in the membership and you're thinking, oh my goodness, I have to do this and I have to eat that. And I got to work on this and look at all these things in the workbook. And I don't know where to start. This is too much. I just want to, I just want to go hide. That's normal. It's expected. It's, um, it's when you try to do too many things at once. So Elizabeth Benton from Primal Potential, she explains the concept of identifying the key habits that yield the biggest results over time rather than overcomplicating the process and overwhelming ourselves. An example of like a big rock or an obstacle might be, uh, you know, swipe, swapping a high carb breakfast for one that focuses on protein and healthy fats or adding more vegetables to your meal and substituting something that would normally be, you know, maybe you'd have a double more meat, but actually you, you know, shorten, or I'm sorry, uh, have a little less ounces of meat and make 75% of the plate vegetables. I know Dr. Mark Hyman always talks about 75% of your plate should be vegetables. And I don't mean raw vegetables. These are cooked vegetables, steamed vegetables. It's actually better for you to consume cooked vegetables uh, versus raw can be, diff can be really hard on some people's um, stomach. So, you know, you want to use caution with, which how, with how much raw that you're doing. One example of focusing on a change until it's mastered would be, but if you're having a lot of trouble sleeping, let's say focusing on your bedtime routine might be key, like devices off two hours before you go to bed, using UV, um, I mean, using those blue light blocking glasses, right? If that, if you're, if you're ultra sensitive to it, not having your phone by your bed, making sure you go into the bathroom and do, you, know, you brush your teeth, you use your mouthwash or whatever you normally do, brush your hair, wash your face, go lay in bed. Maybe you're reading a few chapters of a book, not like a something with a light, but maybe a book or you're listening to, which is something we started. Dennis and I started listening to meditations before bed about I think a year and a half ago, because we really kicked it up during COVID too. There was so much news and so much information with no good answers, right? There was like no solution. It was just like, this is what's happening. And this, keeps, this is happening and that is happening. And we were just, ah. So we started meditating at bedtime to release all of the day 
so we could just go to sleep. He often falls asleep in the middle of meditation. I used to fall asleep initially, but now uh, I, I don't really, I'm more in tune with the meditation, so I don't necessarily fall asleep, but it's fine if you fall asleep. We don't listen to really long ones. There may be 15, 20 minutes. You might like listening longer. If you can get your spouse or significant other or anyone sharing the bed with you on board with meditating before bed, that could be really helpful. It does, I, I think it really helps our sleep. It does release some of the stress of the day, but it may or may not work for you. You could certainly just read a book, but you want to find a way to wind down and have a specific routine. So maybe that's what you're focusing on for the next, it might take seven days, it might take a month. And then let's say you, you feel like, okay, things are really good. I'm doing great. My bedtime is nailed. I'm sleeping so much better. I'm actually feeling more awake when I wake up in the morning. I'm doing really, really great. Now I'm going to do the next thing. That might be something like I'm going to do a movement that I've always wanted to do. I'm making time for Zumba, I don't know, or yoga or bicycling or whatever. I'm going to do that twice a week with my kids or with a group of ladies or whatever you want to do or by myself. I like biking by myself, but then again, that goes back to my, my loner tendencies, but I do like biking by myself. I can go my own speed. I don't worry about keeping up with anybody. And um, I just like to, you know, listen to my own thoughts during that. So that could be your next step. But the whole thing is do not look at the membership and your health transformation and optimization as an overnight journey. It's going to be weeks and weeks and months of work. And then just when you think you've got everything nailed, you may have to like restart some things. Uh, all the time I'm trying to recalibrate and move forward and adjust and move forward. Things will throw us off. We could have maybe an illness in the family or we have a trip that we had been looking forward to and, and it takes us off of our routine and that's okay. We just get back on it. This is probably my favorite. You don't need more information. If you are like me, you like to know a lot about a lot of stuff. And they call this you know, analysis paralysis and overthinking. It's so funny. I went to the, I mean, it's funny because I like to make light of things that are, they just are what they are. So I go to this acupuncturist and She's helping me with, I've had this hip issue that she's really, really helped me a lot with. But the very first visit, she lays me down. She's a doctor of oriental medicine too. And I used to, if I, if I had heard myself saying this four years ago, I would have been saying to you, there's no way I'm saying this out loud because I did not believe in alternative therapies, acupuncture, holistic medicine, none of it. But I've become open to trying things that can work. I laid out for her like you do. And she says to me, oh, I can tell you're an overthinker. And I'm like, that's coming from my body. And I 
said that's not a lie and then oh maybe you try to do more than you know that maybe the average person yeah um exactly <laughs> that's why i'm laying here and i need you to help me because my body's storing all this junk but you know, there's good stress, there's bad stress. Not all stress is bad. We don't want to like equate stress to being bad. I think stress can make us get things done, right? When you have to show up for something, it's actually a good stress. You're going to give hope something of value or you're going to be there for someone. And, and being accountable to things is not a bad thing. But we don't need more information. We don't want to doubt ourselves constantly. We don't want to overthink. If we are constantly researching on Google, like, should I intermittently fast? Should I be eating salmon three times a week? Am I supposed to go exercise, uh, you know, with this new machine that's supposed to help you get skinny in, you know, five months? I feel like this is the main reason behind Love Your Gut Club so that you don't have to be researching all this stuff. You don't have to be bombarded by all the information. Let me present and you can filter what works for you. I will be giving you the functional medicine approach to most things. You can certainly... Uh, see your primary care doctor and uh, any other specialist for the allopathic way for certain conditions. But I think we have to take the pressure off ourselves of being, um, you know, having to research everything. Just use the workbook each month, start with page one and then two, and then just move through it. It's not a long workbook. It's meant to be concise because we're all busy. You're busy, you have a lot of things going on. But if you can set aside 30 minutes, two or three times a week, that's about you and your health, I think that'll make a big difference. Uh, we're getting to the nitty gritty of this and behavior and emotion If you want to transform yourself, you really have to deal with your thoughts, your excuses, your beliefs, the self-sabotaging behavior. If you change your thinking, our bodies will follow. I was saying at the opening, what we eat, the supplements we take, exercise, it's all part of it. And every great coach will say, you know, there's systems, right? There's systems. You do this, you do that. You maybe you, you work out this way, you do this thing, you do, you do, you do. But if you don't have the transformation in your thoughts, I think it was um, a lot of pro golfers. I'm sure a lot of professional athletes period have this, but I remember Tiger Woods in particular, I mean, regardless of what you, you think of him, Tiger Woods is um, by all counts, probably the world's most successful, uh, talented, probably um, the, one of the best golfers we will ever see in our lifetime and, and beyond. And he had innate physical skill, 
that was learned from being very small. You know, his dad would take him out on the golf course and uh, they have a video of him being really young. I want to say like six, seven years old. You know, the club looks bigger than he than him. His dad was a huge uh, proponent of just getting him out there and getting him out there and breaking those barriers uh, for him. But he did so much mindset work too. And he would continue to do that with coaches that were just really all about seeing the next play, visualizing the entire course and how each hole would play out and what, you know, what, what driver he would use, what iron he would use, how this would be flowing. Um, there was just this whole mental thing that it's like he already played the tournament before he played the tournament. Now, I'm not saying that we need to do that necessarily in that kind of detail for our health, but I'm sure it wouldn't hurt. If you can really see yourself five years from now, what does your life look like? What, what, what is, what does it look like for you? It's, and if you're filling your, your mind with things like I'm at an ideal weight, I don't have a lot of joint pain. I'm traveling with ease. I don't have any health conditions. I'm not on any medications. Maybe I'm on two or whatever it is that would be a, an I, a more ideal future for you. So the missing component is often this emotion and this addressing the emotion because the health of our body is as good as the health of our mindset and our soul. When you're digging into the psychology of eating, this can get a little tricky, but there's definitely a lot of, there's a lot to this. I am an emotional eater. I I think it, it's good to just say that out loud <laughs> because it's true. I sometimes will find myself in front of the pantry and I'm not hungry, but I'm like, why am I here? I'm here because I'm stressing about something. I feel like I want to eat something because maybe it'll feel good to just taste something that I'm not really hungry. What, one of the biggest things I did initially, because it was really, really hard for me to shift from some of the foods that I, I enjoyed eating, that I just wasn't eating, going to eat anymore because I was committed to making a big change. For example, let's say white bread and peanut butter. Those are two things. I have to switch them for almond butter and gluten-free bread. But... I was emotionally attached to this memory of, so I grew up, um, I, had a, I had a great upbringing. Uh, I mean, my parents were wonderful as far as like, I was an only child, everything, I didn't have to share anything, <laughs> which is probably part of the, it's, it's a real problem in adulthood because you really do have to share stuff as an adult, um, especially adult in a relationship and, uh, you know, you can't, it's not all about you. <laughs> or is it? No. Um, it, and I, I love to eat peanut butter and jelly with Doritos. 
it was just something I remember it from being a kid. It was comforting. It made me feel loved. There's like certain memories attached to peanut butter and jelly and Doritos. And it sounds silly, but I'm sure you have, maybe it's a fried bologna sandwich for you. Maybe it's a certain thing that's not like super healthy for you to eat right now, but there's like memories attached to it and emotion. I think though we can get there with substitutes. So now I'm just trying to attach certain feel-good emotions to new combinations. Plantain chips instead of Doritos. Almond butter, gluten-free bread, organic jelly instead of before. And honestly, when I start really digging into why I want peanut butter and jelly with Doritos, it has almost nothing to do with actually wanting that food physically. It's something inside that's driving that mentally. So when you can begin to take apart a little bit of this emotion around food, you kind of don't want to give it that control anymore. And I, I hope that in the membership comments, you can unpack this a little bit for yourself too, or even send me a message if you feel like you're an emotional eater and some of the triggers for you and or ah, just must-haves and start digging into that power that that food is having over you and why it's there because it's probably not there for any reason that, that really serves you definitely probably doesn't serve you nutritionally necessarily. And um, maybe even after you eat it, you don't, you kind of wish you didn't, or you just don't feel as good as if you'd eaten something else. But that drive to eat it <laughs> is kind of, and I could do the same thing with beverages. I can over caffeinate. I can over order lattes. I can over order, you know, alcohol drinks, or I remember from, it was always sodas for a while, uh, Diet Cokes, Coke Zeros. It didn't, there wasn't a day that didn't go by that I didn't drink that for years, years. I remember a significant Diet Coke or Coke Zero. I would just say, oh, I haven't had one today. So I definitely was at least having one every day. I haven't had a soda other than maybe a ginger ale or a Sprite on an airplane. Um, I just, it's not part of my eating plan anymore. And the emotion that was tied to the soda, I can get through other beverages now. So let's talk a little bit about the real power of our mind. And, you know, we have three, three parts to our mind. We have the conscious mind, the subconscious and the unconscious mind. And, you know, whether you like it or not, the current behavior is probably serving you for a reason, for better or for worse. And it's definitely serving certain emotional needs. And all of our behavior, right, uh, stem, stems from emotion. But when you get wired to certain patterns and systems, of behaviors, it's called, you know, routine habits and, it, and, and our brain gets stuck in them. So kind of like what I was mentioning with peanut butter and jelly and 
I have another great example of Dunkin Dunkin Donuts. We have a, a coffee chain at a you know that you do a drive through. The, the food is not good for you at this place. There's donuts, obviously, and bagels, and uh, I don't know. There might be one healthy thing on the menu potentially, but it's it's a coffee drive through, and it was a habit to hit this drive through for me in the morning before work. And then it became like a stuck habit. I would go there and I would get what I, get something that wasn't good for me and I'd eat that for breakfast. And it becomes concentrated system in my subconscious mind. So not only is my conscious mind saying we're going to the drive-through, but then it's just a habit. And I'm just like, my car's like driving there. It's just driving there. The next thing I know I'm ordering, right? So in an order to change, you have to put that emotion to the action. And if we take a concentrated focus and, and, and really a conscious effort on behalf of the conscious mind, we can begin to feed that subconscious with these other things. So now I don't have to go to the store and try to buy plantains instead of Doritos. I don't have to try to buy chips that um, are grain free because I'm also corn free. I just, I'm automatically in the chip aisle. I'm scanning, I'm looking, I can't eat, I'm not, nope, 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 this, that, oh, those are the things I like. Those are what I can have, this is what I'm getting. And that now is almost in, um, this is what they call neuroplasticity, where you begin to change the way the brain is working based on changing our thinking. I can now go to the store after lots and lots and lots of work. And obviously I failed, failed forward multiple times, but I know what I'm buying, know what I'm getting. I'm not, I'm not tempted even by this other stuff because the other things are emotionally fulfilling to me too. They're just fulfilling in a different way. Let's give one quick example of this. Um, let's talk about something like overeating. So overeating is um, like, let's say you have a goal to lose 20 pounds. I know like forever, forever I had a goal, like I need to lose 10 to 15 pounds. I mean, I really need to lose like 30 pounds at the time, but I was always trying to lose that extra 10 to 15 pounds. and. I don't know. I, I just wouldn't really get anywhere. I'd exercise. I try to eat better. And I don't, I just didn't have the right habits. I didn't really know that there were certain foods that were probably contributing to me hanging on to the weight, which we'll get more to on, on that, um, in the membership about foods that cause inflammation, foods that can cause you to hang on to weight, even though you feel like, well, I'm not sensitive when I eat that. I don't get a rash. I don't have an upset stomach. My body feels great, but you could be mounting a inflammatory response. And many, many people are mounting inflammatory responses to gluten. Maybe not so much so overseas. I know that we have a few members that do not live in the United States. And so they are not eating the standard American gluten-laden diet, you might be fine because there are some people that say that when they go travel to, let's say Europe or South America, and they eat foods that have gluten, they do 
fine. These are people with known celiac or gluten um, intolerances. But at any rate, let's just say there are certain foods that maybe it's corn, maybe it's soy, maybe it's um, beans, you know, the lectin, that kind of thing. So you can't really stop yourself from overeating, let's say. Maybe that's why you can't lose the, the weight because you feel like you're, you get stressed, you emotionally eat, and then maybe you overeat. This is an example I'm using. But the emotion you're feeling is in this situation, you're having short-term comfort and then it's followed by feeling defeated and like a failure. But then you have to remember that overeating is serving as an emotional need. So your emotions are driving you to overeat and the emotion happens to be stronger than the one that you have to get to your goal weight and to actually lose the weight. So the question you have to ask yourself when you want to experience real, real change, true change, when it comes to overeating, let's say, under exercising, not bothering to limit your social media time, whatever it might be, is, is there another way you can nourish yourself and fulfill that emotion in a positive way? Is there another way that you could nurture yourself and fulfill that emotion in another way? Maybe it's walking, scheduling walking with a friend or family member, picking up a good book. I've got down here, our book for the next couple of months is The Body Keeps the Score. That uh, book is something I have been wanting to read. I was encouraged by multiple therapists to read this, um, therapist friends, not necessarily people that I was seeing, but definitely it's something that can um, help you move forward in this health journey with, um, and something we can success, successfully talk about too in the, in the membership. So once you distinguish um, between the bad routine, you can preset, um, you know, you, if you have this preset habit, you can try to look for the emotion and then work through ways to solve the emotion in a positive way. Like I mentioned, reading a book, walking with a friend, maybe you wanna try acupuncture, maybe you wanna schedule yourself a massage. Maybe you don't wanna pay for anything and you wanna do some free things like go on YouTube and do, uh, do some meditation. But finding ways to channel this emotion is going to be pivotal. Otherwise it just stays with you and then the bad habits come. So this isn't really um, this isn't really about willpower. It's more emotion management. So a lot of people say, "Oh, you have you have the greatest willpower to have been able to lose thirty pounds." And look at you, you look great. What'd you do? What'd you do? Well, all I really did was well, I was pretty fanatical about changing my habits around food and alcohol because alcohol was a big reason I think I was ha hanging on to weight. But to really experience the changes that I have had, it had more to do with awareness and managing my emotions and needing to under, 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 uncover exactly what was going on that was driving my behaviors on so many things. Because a lot of it was not 
it was not behavior I necessarily wanted to do, but I was very used to doing. And there's comfort in staying where you are, right? So one thing you can do is, well, the body keeps the scores there. Journaling is another thing. If you don't already journal, you could start that. I've tried and, and attempted journaling multiple times. I don't know if I'm just afraid someday somebody will find it and they'll read about it. <laughs> my inner thoughts, but and if journaling is not for you, that's fine. I get it. Um, you know, energy or body work, like I mentioned, uh, acupuncture, energy sessions. Uh, some people prefer prayer, meditation, talk therapy. Certainly a therapist can be very helpful, especially if there are um, repressed trauma or things like that. So the end of self-sabotage. We talked about overeating is the short-term comfort. What are you really feeling? Negative self-talk. I think the way that we get past negative self-talk is tuning into positivity, which is things like this membership, doing affirmations, listening to podcasts that are uplifting, doing a journal dumping of things that you're experiencing so that you can kind of get it off your chest or talk to someone. Uncovering previous trauma. So this is a big one. It can be anything from a death of a loved one or as small as your first grade teacher putting soap in your mouth because you said a bad word in class. That was me. We do have trauma and, and we can suppress it rather than deal with it. And the body is constantly pulling out of this like unconscious file, filing cabinet. And, and we're acting on these things, whether we're, we're thinking about it or not. And that is the power of the unconscious mind that I was talking about earlier. Remember the conscious, the subconscious, and the unconscious. So the unconscious mind is the place where it's like the database of everything that's ever happened to us. And when we understand that our old trauma we might be hanging on to that, that when you actually create room to let go of it and something else new and better will come in. And it's, it's easier said than, than done. And it can take therapy for sure. I have like my friends that I have that are licensed therapists. They do a lot of work with this. I do believe that when people are really, really stuck in their health, that there can absolutely be trauma that is holding them back. And like we mentioned, it could be really big things, divorce, childhood traumas that are very serious, molestation, anything like that too. I was made fun of a lot as a kid. I was called fat a lot. Um, I got fired from my job, whatever it might be. We have to figure out how we're going to release that. And that's gonna be individually up to you. I can't make that decision for you. I feel like I'm sure that there are still things blocking me that are not dealt with that could take me to the next level in optimizing my health. I am willing to go to acupuncture and doctor of oriental medicine, which I think is a, it's at least a bridge to 
um, self-healing, but for you, it may be something different. And then the power of choice. There isn't much in life that we can control. We learned this. It was blatantly clear last year with COVID. There was nothing any of us could control about any of that. But the thing we can control is how we think about it, right? And how we relate to it and how we act on it and the way we react to things. When we see something even like COVID and we can try to spin something about it that's maybe positive or find a few positive things. Like for example, um, one really positive thing that happened from COVID was that people were able to spend some time at home, like going through things they never had, they hadn't gone through in forever. I remember seeing all the posts of people like painting, clearing out closets, donating things, um, just doing projects that they had never had time for before because they were always too busy doing the next thing and, and you know, being out and about and, and whatnot. And then other positive things from COVID are the appreciation of family and friends when we couldn't see people and we couldn't hug them and we couldn't, you know, get together with anyone at all there. It, it makes it so much sweeter to be able to do these things now. And I, I know that generally we have very short short memories uh, and that there will come a time when we may forget a bit, but I hope that we always remember this power to take negative and really live in mindset freedom by saying, I'm not gonna look at that that is negative. I'm going to try to find the positive in that. And you don't have to be rainbows and unicorns and live in a uh, fairy tale world. But I can't see any reason. And I'm general. I've been accused of being an overly positive person. I've even had people kind of make fun of me for being a, like a oh, it's always a silver lining. Well, I like living that way, and I'm happier living in that place. And I think that when it comes to, you know, actually feeling better and working on health, and one day I'll be a much, much older person, hopefully, if all goes well, I want to be able to be a positive person and not someone that, um, you know, my emotions got the best of me. So three things that you need to do uh, in order to create like a really a paradigm shift is um, awareness, focus, and repetition. So basically awareness, like what are, what are your current routines? What, what presets, um, what emotions accompany your current routine and habits that you have? Like be aware of those, acknowledge those. Um, reflect on those a little bit. Focus. Staying present and living in the moment will allow you the space to really feel and live. OMG. This is like a loaded, that's a loaded sentence, right? Because we are, I am always living in the future. <laughs> A lot. I'm always. I always project forward. Uh, I, I'm definitely not someone that lives in the past. I don't reminisce. Although I find myself telling more stories about the past, but maybe that's just because I'm getting older. 
um, I'm trying to teach people or younger people specifically that I maybe I work with or see about things. But but generally, I'm looking forward always. Oh, the next thing, the next thing, the next, you know, and being in the moment can be really difficult. But I know if I can focus more on being in the moment that that can make a really big difference um, for my health in general. And I hope you'll, you'll see the same. So repetition, constantly repeating the positive and allowing yourself to feel that it's a natural pattern in your mind. I'm still working on this as far as it's, um, and if you tend to be more of a, maybe a negative person in general, or just a little bit, maybe you're more of a, like what they call like a realist, or um, I would try to start, make your natural default pattern, something more positive versus, versus negative. And that can allow for so many doors to open for you. And what I'd like us to do for this month and probably till our next masterclass is to create new presets. And what that looks like is not everything, not like a list of 16 things to do, but like a couple things that you can focus on and work on. Like we mentioned before, maybe it's sleep, maybe it's a little bit with food, maybe it's movement, but just kind of a new preset. And then how are you going to offload your emotion in a healthy way? It's not going to be found in the pantry. There is nothing we can eat or drink that's really going to satisfy what's going on. It's almost like, um, what do I call it? Like, uh, it's just sort of uh, helps you to just sort of, it's like suffices you, right? It's just it's like satisfies you for like the minute, but then it's not, it's not lasting. What is lasting is feeling good in your body, feeling good in your health, feeling mentally clear, feeling more energy, being able to be there, um, being able to be a vibrant older person. Aging, aging does not mean you will, they will have you buy into, when I say they, I mean like the collective, you know, world will have you buy into getting older is um, equal to multiple prescriptions, multiple doctors, lots of problems, um, a life full of, um, you know, angst and worry and potentially large medical bills or, or whatever. That does not have to be the reality at all. It's not just your hormones. Your hormones are controlled by your gut. So if you get your gut healthy, your hormones are going to be better. You're not going to blame it on just aging in general, because there are 78 year olds climbing Mount Everest. I don't know how they're doing it, but it's pretty amazing. We are in control of where we go from here. So if your goals are very short term, that's fine. But we also want to look really long too. So I hope that these mindset shifts are helpful to you. I will um, put this recording up in the membership. And I so, so appreciate you being a member of Love Your Gut Club and feel free to use the message tab at any time to send me any message, any questions, any thoughts, feedback. Um, I hope that you guys have a great, great day. Mm -hmm.